Well, that uh, prayer series, this is, uh, like, like we've mentioned every, every week, this is something that me, James, uh, Corey, and a couple other, a couple other guys, Devin, we, we sat down at the end of, of last school year getting ready for this summer and then, you know, kind of preparing for the next school year. And we just kind of brainstormed of what, would, what we thought was going to be important for us this summer to really focus on. And it was this, this idea of prayer. And, you know, a lot of times when, you, when we hear prayer, uh, just in, in general, it kind of seems like a pretty basic um, topic, right? I mean, you just think, okay, pray. Like uh, I've been doing that for a long time, but it's, it's really one of those things. I think that as, as Christians, a lot of times it's probably one of the things that we struggle with, uh, the, the most, if we're honest, it's this constant devotion to, to prayer. Um, this, this constant faith that God will actually answer our, our prayers. And, you know, that's the way with, that we communicate with, with God. And, you know, either we, we neglect to, to do it on a consistent basis or, uh, you know, we just don't really know how to pray. So we're constantly praying maybe with wrong motives or for the wrong things. And, you know, they, they never get answered. And, you know, a lot of times that just kind of gets old for, for a little while. And, and, you know, God's never answered my prayers. I'm praying for the wrong thing. You know, I don't feel like he hears me. So you, we kind of just get burned out and we, we just quit, quit, play, uh, quit praying in, in general. And uh, James d- said a quote at the beginning of the series, and he's mentioned it every single time, so I wanted to mention it again. Um, and I believe the quote was from, from Jerry Falwell, but he says that, that nothing of eternal significance is ever happening apart from prayer. And man, I believe that to be a, a very, very true statement, that nothing of eternal significance will happen apart from, from prayer. So if we, as a student, body, if we want to live lives that have eternal significance, then, then man, we've got to, we've got to tackle this, this idea of, of prayer. So the question um, really that we're trying to answer throughout this, this series is, man, how do we pray? What do we pray for? And, and just, you know, when, where, why, what, you know, just all these things, what do we, how do, how do we do this? And um, Jesus himself in a very famous sermon on the Mount and Matthew 6 gives us a very, very clear picture of that. And we've been breaking this out over the last couple of weeks. Um, and, and I'm going to kind of break this down. I'll kind of give you guys a, a recap real quick. Um, but before Jesus actually taught us how to pray, if you guys remember, we started the series off with, with Jesus teaching us how not to pray, right? He, he first started uh, saying, don't be like the hypocrites who stand on, on street corners. You know, he's talking about the Pharisees where they would go out into public places and they would, you know, stand literally, you know, on like crates or, or in front of a lot of people. And they would, you know, yell out all these, you know, lavish prayers and, you know, speak all these things. And, you know, they were really there just in a prideful sense to try to get people to, to see them. And, and Jesus says, don't be like them. Don't, don't be these people who try to sound all holy and, and, you know, pray in front of all these people. He said, because all you're really going to get is acceptance from men and you're going to get no reward from, from me. And then he goes on to say, don't be, don't be like the, the Gentiles as, as well. He, he uses this Gentile, which are kind of the heathens of the time. And James mentioned this one as well. This was kind of the second point that, that we talked about um, in the first week is, is don't, don't be these people who repeat the same things over and over and over again, right? Don't, don't be like the Gentiles who think they can like annoy God into answering their prayers. And Jesus says, you know, don't do that. It's annoying. Don't pester me. I know what you need before you ever ask. So, you know, just, just say, you know, what, what you need. Don't, don't repeat it because you're just annoying. So don't do that. And then, uh, then in verse nine of, of chapter six, he then gets into what we call the, the Lord's Prayer, and this is what he says. He says, this is how we are to, to pray. And if you'll throw that, that up for me. 
It says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And then we, we, we broke this down over the, over the last few weeks. And I'll, I'll kind of just briefly run, run through this. Um, you can actually leave that, that scripture up there so we can see this in, in chunks. But that very first part, if you remember... James spoke about this. Jesus opens this up and he, he, he says, our father, just instantly right, right out of the gate. And if you remember this, this was a, a very intimate thing. You know, they, they would speak very, very highly of, of the name of God. A lot of people wouldn't even speak the name of God in, in this culture that Jesus was, was teaching to. And, and you remember, he basically says, Abba, father, which just means like daddy. Like he literally addresses God as, as dad. And, and the point there was, you know, that Jesus is saying that we have this awesome privilege to call God, you know, of the ultimate God, the, the, the Father, to call him Dad, that we get to come in his arms and, and, and say, Dad. And, and then the, the next one, it says, in heaven, right? So it kind of sh- changes gear. He says, our Father in heaven, which uh, the, the significance there was, uh, again, just this, not only is he our dad, but he is also above all. He's in charge of all. He's creator God. He's in uh, the, the he, he holds the universe in, in his hands. He's holy. He's powerful. He's, he's above all. And then last week, we, we ended here, the, the hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on, on earth as it is in heaven. And if you remember the, the hallowed part, to me, this is, the, this is the, the, the one that just drills at home. I think this whole prayer revolves around this one, and that's the, the hallowing of his name. And, and hallow, again, just means this honor or respect or to hold the name of, of God to, to the highest level. And then he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In this statement, we, we talked about this last week. This is kind of the part of the prayer where this is our commitment uh, to live our lives in a manner that's going to bring the kingdom here and now that we live our lives, that we show that we're more interested in God's will being done in our lives rather than our own wants and our own desires. So, so we hallow his name. And, and that, you know, that, I just love that. If you really kind of just think about this, and as we go through this prayer, I want you to, to kind of catch this as it comes out. It says, your, your kingdom come so that your name will, will be hallowed. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven so that your name will, will be hallowed. Um, and then we come to, the, you know, then we come to, to this part where, um, and to me, that just screams out that this prayer, if you, if, and really it's not even this prayer, it's all of, all of Scripture um, at the end of the day, our life is to hallow his name. Everything's about him. It's about his honor, his glory, his name being lifted higher than, than us or anything else. And then we come to, to this part that we're going to kind of hang out in, in tonight. And it's called the, the petition, um, which is really this, this part where uh, Jesus kind of changes gears after this, this setting. And he starts to ask for uh, some, some things. So I'm going to break this down in, in three different parts. It's really three verses. We'll, we'll keep it real, real simple. Won't keep you guys long, and we'll, we'll get out of here. But uh, just, just pay attention, and uh, let's, let, let's let the Word of God really speak at, at this moment. But um, verse 11, it says, Give us this day our daily bread. That's, that's his first request. Jesus basically asks for some grub. He wants some food. He says, give me, give me some bread. And, and that's, that's, that's what I need. And, and I love what he said, because it's, it's, it's not only like, give me a bunch of bread or give me like a lot of stuff. He says this day, 
Just today, just give me some bread, right? Just a very, very basic, basic request. And um, I want to share something really just in, in my own life where um, this, you know, because we live in a culture where we don't really ask for bread. You guys wake up every day and just, God, just have some bread today. Like just a couple croutons, give me, give me something. You know, I just, I need, I need something because if I don't have this daily bread, I'm not going to be able to make it. But, but Jesus makes the specific point that says, just give me some bread this day. Give me enough bread for today to, to, to sustain me. And see, I uh, wanted to share a little bit of my testimony. I've shared it many times in front of you guys, but um, I'll start with the point where, where there was a period in my life not very long ago where financially I was very, very, very su- successful. Um, was in like the top 1% of, of Americans in, in income. There was a time where uh, for about five years straight, I averaged over a couple hundred thousand dollars a year and you know, lived a very, very lavish lifestyle for, for a long time. Very different from the life I live today. Hence the Jeep smoking and no AC. But uh, it, was, it, was, it was fun times, fun times. I was definitely in, in, in an environment where I had everything I wanted whenever I wanted. Never did I wake up and say, God, can I have some bread today? Because I had everything I wanted. I mean, we'd go filet mignons. We'd go, uh, you know, a little smoked salmon. I mean, we were, we were doing it up. I, I love to eat very, very good food, and that's what we spent a lot of money on. Hence, I was actually a lot larger than two, but um, lost a little weight since then. But, um, but th- there was a time, again, where, where this was a, it was a reality for me. But then God uh, called me into ministry, and it was kind of this radical change for me where um, I knew uh, from when I was very young that God wanted me to be a pastor. He wanted me to be in, in ministry. So there was a, a turning point in my life about three years ago where I literally looked my wife in the face, said, we're going to sell everything we have. We're going to get rid of everything, sell our house, sell our cars, get rid of all the stuff. I'm quitting this job. I'm making all this money, and we're going to be missionaries in Paulding County. So that's really kind of the, the thing that we decided to do and started raising support, and it was tough. I mean, it was a huge transition for us. We went from, like, having everything to literally waking up, praying for bread. Like, there was this transition in, in our life, and it was just amazing to me because it, it came to life for me because for the first time I was actually desperate for God to do something because I was very self-sufficient um, from, from that point on and never did I really look at all that I had. You know, the back of my mind, I grew up in church. I was a Christian. I knew it was the right thing to do to say, God, thank you for all these blessings. But really, I was very puffed up, very arrogant, and it was all about all about me. But there, there's a couple times, so I just want to give you a couple different instances like, you know, like clothes, for instance. You know, my, I've got two little kids, Caden and Brielle, and I mean, we were struggling. We didn't have any money. We didn't have, you know, they're getting bigger. They grow like crazy. We actually did their little markings on the wall the other day. And like in six months, Brielle's grown like four inches. Like it's crazy. Um, you know, the little hashes on the doorway. But so we need a clothes. So we're like, God, we need clothes. Like I don't have any money. We need clothes. And literally the next day, like a bag of clothes show up. And uh, like a week later, it's like, okay, we need groceries. Like what's going on? God, you know, we're doing what you told us to do. We need food. And then like food would show up and countless times. I mean, I literally have a journal of like prayers that God would answer. And like it, it started happening so often. I literally quit writing it down because it was just so often, you know, that I just quit journaling about it because it was just now um, just the way it was. Um, one more thing too. I remember there was a time where um, our, our, um, our gas got shut off. Like we didn't, we were late on the bill and like we were 30 days late. So we shut our gas off. And so we took cold showers for like 
three weeks, which I actually like cold showers. My wife, she hates cold showers, but I'm not going to lie. A, a freezing cold shower is not fantastic early in the morning. Um, and I mean like cold, 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 cold showers. And, and I remember when it got turned back on after th- this had happened, it's crazy. Like even still to this day, and you know, this was, I don't know, two years ago, I think when that happened, I can't take a warm shower without just being like, God, this is amazing. Like, God, you are amazing. Thank you for the hot water that is pouring on my head right now. This feels fantastic. And like, if I want it cold, I can turn it to cold and it's still freezing cold. And that's fantastic as well. But I have the choice, right? Like it's not just freezing cold. But so again, this came to to life to me, you know, whenever I I had this, because we we grow up in a society and I know a lot of you are, are the same way. We we have showers when we want. We have AC in our cars. We have parents who are successful and we have nice houses and food when we want. We go to nice places. We do all this stuff. And we really are a society that's very, very self-sufficient. But Jesus reminds us here to ask for daily bread. And for me, I think it's not so much us just being desperate for bread because obviously he's blessed us well beyond asking for daily bread. I think it's this, this acknowledgement of God, thank you for how much you've actually blessed me and just this idea to be uh, desperate for him for, for our basic, basic needs. And throughout this time, um, there was a passage in Matthew 6, um, actually right after uh, in the same message, the Sermon on the Mount that, that Jesus was speaking. I love this picture that, that he paints. And this was probably the scripture that ministered to me the most during those, those times because there's a beautiful promise and it's, it'll stick with me forever. But God starts talking um, about birds. And, and, and it's really this whole passage is about worry. He's, he's telling us not to worry about things. Don't be anxious about things. And Jesus says, think about the birds. He says, they fly around. They don't do anything. They don't have jobs. They didn't go to college. They didn't like, they can't build anything. They can't even speak. All they can do is whistle, right? He's like, think about these birds for a minute. They do nothing, but yet every day I feed them. Every day I feed them. And then he says, how much more valuable are you as a person, as my beloved creation, how much more valuable are you than a bird? And then he goes on to talk about like weeds or, or flowers in a field. And he says, they don't do anything. He says, they just grow and they're beautiful. You know, like flowers, think of your favorite flower. He says, they're beautiful and they did nothing. He says, how much more valuable are you than a, a, a lily in, in the field. And he says, even Solomon, which was the, the richest, wisest person in the, the, the Old Testament, he says, even Solomon and all of his wealth, all of his fame, all of his knowledge, he says, even he wasn't clothed like one of these flowers. So he again says, how much more valuable are you than these birds? How much more valuable are you than these, than these lilies? And here's how he closes this passage. He says, therefore, so because of, of that story that I just told, he says, therefore, In verse 31, he says, do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? He says, for the Gentiles seek after these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them all. And here's the, here's the, here's the key. He says, but he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you as, as well. See, it says, seek first his kingdom. So that, that's, the, that's the deal. That's our part. If we will seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, he says, you don't have to worry about food. 
You don't have to worry about clothes, right? He, he, he's going basic here. This isn't the prosperity gospel. It's not seek first the kingdom and you get like a brand new car when you graduate or seek first the kingdom and you can have like, you know, you can be famous and rich and all this stuff. He says, no, no, no. He's talking about basic needs, necessities, freedom, just to, to, to have clothes, to have food, to have basic things. He says, seek first my kingdom and all these will be added unto you. And that's such a great promise to me. And that's something that has stuck with me for, for a very, very long time and, and always, always will just to, to always seek for his kingdom. And then we don't have to worry about anything. And he closes that passage. He says, man, let tomorrow worry about itself because it has enough to, to worry about. Like there's just, there's enough going on in this world, enough worry, enough anxiety. Let it go, seek my kingdom and, and I got your back. So Jesus is teaching us here to ask for our daily needs to equip us for kingdom business and to be thankful and grateful and to give him honor and glory for our basic provisions so that we may hallow his name. Same thing, it keeps, it, it keeps applying here. So he gives us our basic provisions so that we may hallow his name. So, so don't take for granted the, the things that we have, the, 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 the many, many blessings that, that you guys have. And, you know, again, not all of you are wealthy, not all of you are rich, but man, y'all look pretty good. You don't stink. You have deodorant on. You probably took a bath today. You've probably had like three meals already and like can't wait to go to Chick-fil-A after this to, to go eat. You know, I mean, we're, we're pretty, pretty well, well taken care of. Um, but, but again, let's, let's live our lives in a way that actually is thankful and grateful and hallows his name because of our um, lavish blessings that, that he's given us. And then the second part, the, the second verse is in verse 12. It says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, right? And this word debts is, is like sin. It's forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. And Jesus points out the importance of our sins being forgiven. See, sin is a wedge between us and God. And if we walk, if we want to walk in the light as he is in the light, we have to confess our sins daily. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So daily, we should confess our sins and the blood of Christ will continually cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And man, that's such a wonderful promise. See, we can daily walk blameless in the sight of God and have intimate fellowship with him. We just got to confess it. He knows it already. He doesn't need us to confess. He doesn't need us to throw that out there. He just wants us to agree with him that we are in sin and just confess it. And it says he will be faithful to cleanse us from an unrighteousness. Um, and, and see, we have this, we have this, uh, the second half to, to this verse, right? It says, for, forgive us our debts, but then it says, as we forgive our, our debtors, right? So there's a second part where we are also obligated to forgive others as an overflow of the reality that we have actually been for, forgiven. And in Matthew 18, there's a story that, that I want to share with you real quick. And it's, it's the apostle Peter. He comes to, to Jesus and he asks this question. He says, Jesus, when somebody sins against me, like how many times do I have to forgive him, right? And I feel, you know, Peter, he's kind of a, kind of a hothead. Um, I picture him as like a big curly haired ginger, like in, in, in the Bible, like he's, he's kind of like me, like, I, you know what I'm saying? But, you know, he was rocking that beard and, you know, he just, he did it up. But he says, Jesus, like, man, seriously, this guy keeps offending me, sinning against me. How many times do I have to forgive him? Like is seven enough? Is seven, can, can seven be the number? Because he's at six and I want to kill him. Like one more time, like, can, can I go after him? 
And Jesus tells this story to, to, to paint this picture. And I think it's, uh, I think it's a, a perfect story. And, and here, here's what happens. I'll quickly tell it and then I'll give the, the closing remarks. But it, Jesus tells the story to, to Peter at this moment. Um, and he says, forgive him like seven times 77. Like he just throws this random number out just to make Peter like jumble because he probably sucked at math. But so he just says, just like keep forgiving him over and over and over. And then he says, let me tell you the story, Peter. He says, there was a king and there was a servant. And he says, the servant comes to the king and he's in debt, like over, a, I don't know, like a lifetime's worth of wage. Like it was some ridiculous amount. I don't know what he did. The story doesn't really say, but he's in debt to this king. And for whatever reason, um, th- this king, like he's literally, he, he's sentencing this guy. He's taken like his family, his wife, his stuff, um, all his house, all of his belongings. He's going to throw this guy in jail until he can come up with this payment, which would have literally been impossible for him to do. And then the servant gets on his knees and he's begging this king. He's just begging him. He's like literally pleading with this guy, like, please, please, please don't take my family. Don't take my stuff. Please. What can I do, you know, to, to get out of this? And for whatever reason, this king decides to just say, you know what? I feel sorry for you. Your debt, it's gone. Go in peace and have fun. I don't know what he says, but it's something like that. Like literally sends this guy away debt-free, debt-free. And what's crazy about the story is this servant who just got all of his debt wiped away literally goes back to like where he works and he's got people that work for him. And one of his servants owed like, I think it was a week's wage to him. And he literally says, hey, pay me what you owe me. You you owe me X amount of dollars, a week's worth of wage. Starts choking this guy because he doesn't have the money And he's like literally beating this guy up because he won't pay him a week's worth of wage right after he gets all of his debts forgiven. And somebody sees him doing this and they can't believe because they like heard the story. Like, dude, I can't believe he's supposed to be in jail right now. His like, you know, the repo guy was already here, like taking his stuff. And like, I don't know what happened, but they stopped and he still has his stuff and he's not in jail. So how is he beating this guy up? Like wearing him out over this, you know, very small amount of money. And listen to what, listen to what Jesus says. So anyway, somebody sees him, goes back to the king who forgave him the debt and says, man, this guy you just forgave, this is what he's doing, right? And this is just wrong. And here's what, here's what happens. Matthew 18, verse 32 through 35, it says, then the master summoned him. This was the, the king summons the guy and says to him, you wicked servant. He says, I forgave you all of your debt because you pleaded with me. It says, and you should not, uh, I'm sorry, and should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you. And in anger, his master delivered him to the jails until he should pay all of the debt that he owed. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brothers from your heart, right? So he's painting this picture to us and he changes it just, he's not just talking to Peter. He he says, and, and so your heavenly father will do to all of you if you do not forgive your brothers. And it's the picture of us. It's our sin. It's our, it's our debt. We deserve death. We deserve death. We're, we're, we're unholy. We, we, we're sinners. We were born sinners. And, and God in his mercy and his grace has given us through Jesus the opportunity to be completely debt-free to spend eternity with him. And yet we sit back. And how many times do we have little grudges? Like, I cannot believe she said that. Like, oh my God, I hate her guts. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like literally, you know, and you might not talk like that, but 
That's how we, that's how we perceive women talking just in like a, like a, a, a lisp. I don't, I don't know. But, um, you know what I'm saying? Like, like seriously, he's talking to my girl. I can't believe he's talking to my girl. Like I'm going to kill this guy. And like, I'm never going to forgive him. You were supposed to be my boy. And like, I'm going to hold a grudge forever. Whatever it is. You know what I'm saying? There's, there, there's stupid things that we always hold grudges for. And it can be some serious things too. You know, don't get me wrong. It's not all fun and games. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a dad who abused us. Maybe it's a mom who abused us. Maybe it's, you know, what, whatever the case might be. It can be even something serious. And we just cannot in us find a way to forgive the, these people. And what Jesus is saying right here, it's like, if you'll stop for just a minute and you'll think about what you've been forgiven for and, and all of the debt that you have been, that, that I've erased for you, forgive them, forgive them. Get, get on your face and, and forgive them in view of the fact that you've been forgiven of, of all of your, your people. So we have to forgive people. Don't be that guy. It turns out really bad in the end of, of that story. So, you know, for, forgiving others is a, is a sign that we understand the debt or, or the depth of our, our sins being forgiven. So, so Jesus in this prayer is teaching us to remember our forgiveness, to confess our sins, forgive others who have sinned against us so that what? His name would be hallowed, right? Forgive people. He says, he says confess, be cleansed, forgive others so that his name would, would be lifted high so we would live lives in a way that his name would, would be hallowed. And then we have the third part. It's the, the last verse in verse 13. It says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. See, Jesus points out here that, our, that, that we are uh, des- we're in desperate need for God to deliver us from evil, not ourselves delivering us from, from evil. See, too many times I think as, as believers, and I, I've done this too, as, as Christians, you know, we're in a pretty good place. We're, we're serving, we're doing right, we're living for God, we're seeking first his kingdom, we're doing all these things. And, and we kind of get kind of prideful a little bit about it. Of like, man, I can handle this. I'm in a good place. You know, I can go there. I can be with her. I can be with him. And I can do these things because I'm really in a good place. I'm not going to let temptation slip in. And, and we kind of get uh, prideful and, and boastful that we can, can handle these things. And the reality is, is it's God and God alone who possesses the power over Satan. You know, we, we can be fooled very, very easily. Satan is so much more powerful than you and I, but God in us, he has no, no, no place to stand. But sometimes we try to be boastful and prideful and stand in, in our own flesh, but we must remember, and that's what Jesus is pointing out here, that it's, that it's God See, if we didn't have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us, we'd be nothing. We'd be powerless against Satan and, and his demons. And um, th- this verse came to mind whenever I was studying for this. And, and I just think about the Apostle Paul teaching the Ephesian church. And, and we actually did a series on, on the armor of God not too long ago. But in Ephesians 6, verse 10 through 13, listen to this. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly place. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all this, stand firm some more. 
And you see, it's not, it's not us, it's not our might that we stand against Satan and his schemes. It's the Lord and his might, right? That's what this passage says. It says, stand firm in his armor, put on his armor in his might and his power so that you can stand against these things. So don't be arrogant like uh, some of the teachings that, that's out there that, that says like we're supposed to like go be demon slayers, right? Don't, don't go out like we're just gonna go out and we're gonna like attack demons. We have Jesus now. We can like do all this stuff. And you know, uh, it's crazy, but there actually are teachings out there that, that tell us that that's okay. And the scripture is very clear. It just simply says stand firm in Jesus. Stand firm in the, the Holy Spirit. See, we're not, we're not Buffy the demon slayer. Okay, don't, don't, don't go out and try to be uh, demon slayers. Okay, just, just stand firm in truth and we can move on from that. So the, the conclusion uh, of this petition, Jesus is teaching us to call upon God to protect us and deliver us from evil so that, let me hear you say it, somebody. Something hollowed. <laughs> so that his name would be hollowed, right? That, that we would be standing firm in truth, that we would live lives, that we stand firm in the armor of God, we stand firm in his might and his honor so that his name would, would be hallowed at the end of the day. And see, that's what this is about. It's, it, it, it's over and over again throughout the scriptures, throughout this prayer, throughout all of the, the Bible that just like we talked about last week, that's our obligation to live a life in the way that's gonna honor and lift high the name of, of God. It's all about him, all about his glory. So here's, here's what I wanna do. Here's, here's how I wanna close th- this out. And um, we're gonna be here for a minute, but I want everybody to, to bow your heads with me for a minute and just kind of be, be quiet for a minute, keep your eyes closed. Um, and just let me talk to you for, for a minute because here's, here's what I want to do. I'm going to have the band come back up. I'm going to get ready to pray here in a minute. And, and here's what I want us to pray for tonight in light of what we just heard. Tonight we're going to pray for our daily needs, that God would equip us with our daily basic needs so that we can live for his mission. Then we're going to confess our sin that's in our life and ask God to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Then we're gonna resolve in our own hearts any bitterness and unforgiveness that we have towards others because who are we to not forgive somebody when we're just as guilty as they are because of our own sin? Yet we just sang about that God replaced our wickedness with his righteousness the moment we put our faith and trust in him. And then I want us to pray that God would deliver us from evil and give us his strength to stand firm against Satan and his schemes. But see, there's something we gotta do before we, before we, before we ask for our, our daily bread and before we ask for, for all these um, requests. If you remember that verse, it says, but seek first my kingdom and all these will be added unto you. So that's what we've gotta do first. And for some of us, that means we need to refocus our lives on him, his kingdom, instead of our own kingdom. We need to focus on his agenda instead of our own. And we have to stop living lives for us and live them for him. And for others of us, it really means that we need to commit our lives to live for his kingdom for the very first time tonight. We need to realize that sin is in our life and it's put us into debt with God of an amount that we can never pay off. But see, the good news is that, see, he's already paid our debt on the cross, it was Jesus. 
and he offered that free gift to every single one of us. And it's available tonight if you're willing to put your faith and trust in him and him alone. See, that's the only way to be forgiven of sin and to be right with God and to spend eternity with him after the short life is over. So if that's you in this, in a moment, whenever we start singing, I want you to get out of your seat and I want you to find either James or, you know, there's going to be leaders all over this place. And I want you to commit your life to Jesus and, and they'll help you do that. They'll help you pray. They'll talk you through that so that you know exactly what's going on. So let's pray. Father, first and foremost, if there's even one person in this room tonight that doesn't know you as their personal Lord and Savior, God, I pray that you would give them the courage to stand here in a moment. God, to find a leader um, and to pray to accept forgiveness of their sin. God, the free gift of salvation, eternal life. And Father, as your children here tonight, those of, those of us that know you, God, we commit our lives to live a life that seeks first your kingdom and not our own. Father, give us our basic needs. Equip us, fill us to serve your kingdom. God, thank you for your grace, your mercy, and the forgiveness of our sins. God, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Father, release us. If there's, if there's anyone here that, that's holding on to unforgiveness, God, bitterness towards somebody, God, may we realize that our debt's been paid in full and we have no right to, to be bitter. We have no right to hold grudges, God. We have no right to, to, to have unforgiveness, God. Release us from that. And God, deliver us tonight from evil. Empower us to stand firm so that we may live lives that hallow your holy and precious name. God, we love you. And we pray this in the name that's above all names, the name of Jesus, amen.